listening in with Lloyd Gosling. This podcast is brought to you by Lloyd Gosling, Rochelle and Townsend in Austin, Texas. Lloyd Gosling is a 30 attorney firm in Austin, Texas, specializing in natural resources, energy, litigation, and employment law. My name is Brandy McCarns, and I'm the firm's marketing coordinator. Our purpose with this podcast is to talk with some of our practice area experts about timely topics and trends in a more informal setting and in a way that we hope will be a little fun and informative to our listeners. Today, I am introducing three attorneys in the Lloyd Gosling Water Practice Group, Sarah Thornton, Nathan Fasser, and Lauren Thomas. Each of them brings years of experience addressing various federal practice issues as they can describe further. As Sarah, Nathan, and Lauren will discuss, the impacts of federal environmental policy to the regulated community in Texas can be far-reaching. And with that, Lauren, please set the stage for our conversation today. Thank you, Brandy. I'm really excited to be here. There's certainly a lot to talk about today, so thanks so much for having us on. Today, we're going to talk about the focus on the shift in the federal administration from the Trump administration to the Biden administration. And there's certainly a lot going on. As you'll recall with the Trump administration, the Environmental Protection Agency changed regulations um, having to do with the lead and copper rule the National Environmental Policy Act, the Clean Water Act, and the Endangered Species Act. And we're going to cover a few of these today. Shortly after the Trump administration concluded and the Biden administration began, President Biden actually issued an executive order on January 20th of 2021. And this executive order was aimed at promoting protection of the environment and freezing certain regulatory changes that were in the process of being promulgated. So in the end, this is really the story of the pendulum swinging back again, as we've had this transfer of power between two different administrations. I think an overall concept of today's conversation with Sarah and Nathan and myself is for the Texas community to just stay engaged um, as all these different regulations are coming out and being looked at by the administration. So Sarah, I think one of the most interesting ones that we can talk about is what's been going on with NEPA. And I know you've been tracking this. So what's been going on in the world of NEPA? There's a lot going on with the presidential change. One of the biggest things, I think, in terms of my own practice, which focuses on compliance with the National Environmental Policy Act, or NEPA, as you referred to it as, Lauren. And under the Trump administration, we saw some significant changes when it came to permitting of infrastructure projects, because permitting timelines for infrastructure projects prior to Trump taking office, we're taking multiple years. We're talking 10 to 15 years. I've worked on at least uh, two reservoir projects that have taken in excess of 10 to 15 years to actually get permits and have those projects constructed. And because of the concern with those lengthy timelines for permitting, the Trump administration actually issued two executive orders, one that was issued in January 2017 that focused on trying to expedite permitting for high-priority infrastructure projects. So it was specific to 
projects that would be identified, for instance, by governors of states as needing to be fast-tracked. And then he followed up that executive order with a second executive order that was further focused on streamlining just infrastructure projects in general, which led to an effort by federal agencies to have this, what is called a one federal decision in permitting of infrastructure projects. So he's really focused on streamlining permitting, which was important across the nation and in particular in the state of Texas in light of how long it takes for projects to come online. And what followed from that effort to streamline permitting was the promulgation of revisions to the NEPA implementing regulations. So the NEPA implementing regulations actually didn't originally set out any kind of timeline for when an environmental impact statement or an environmental assessment would have to be produced and made available to the public, no timelines whatsoever. So often that process, as I mentioned, would take years, even decades to complete. And so following the effort of the one federal decision in the revisions to the NEPA regulations, they actually incorporated timelines. And one of the most critical timelines was trying to limit the development of environmental impact statement to two years and the development of environmental assessment to one year. It also led to creating uh, permit tracking timelines that were available to the public where you could actually have transparency of how long these projects are taking that really would help also to ensure that those timelines were adhered to, that you were staying within that two-year timeframe or that one-year timeframe. So for our clients, we really saw a benefit to the Trump administration efforts to revise NEPA regulations. With the Biden administration coming on in January, we immediately saw, as Lauren, you mentioned, in the executive order from Biden in January, I think it was January 20th, that he is looking really to undo a lot of the executive orders, in particular the two I just mentioned on streamlining and on having this one federal decision, and to also have agencies like the Council on Environmental Quality, who administers NEPA, take another look at the regulations that were revised, the NEPA implementing regulations. And so in light of what we've seen thus far in terms of the nominee that they're looking at for chairing the Council on Environmental Quality, Brenda Mallory, we really think they're going to take a hard look at those NEPA implementing regulations and make some changes there and likely eliminate some of that fast tracking of those permitting timelines. Because when those new regulations became final, there was considerable concern from some groups that you would have an inadequate review then. In particular, there was concerns that it would have a negative effect on efforts regarding environmental justice and that populations and areas that were considered environmental justice populations or communities, being minority communities or low-income communities, wouldn't have sufficient opportunity and time to be able to weigh in on those permits and those permit applications. So in light of that, we really think that probably going to tailor back all those revisions, 
Hopefully they'll leave some of the men, have some kind of timelines that they will try to incorporate still there. I have hope because uh, even before Trump was in office, Obama administration actually had enacted legislation that was called the FAST Act that looked at trying to shorten timeframes for infrastructure, specifically transportation project. So although I feel pretty confident they're going to eliminate some of the fast track of review and change the NEPA regulations, I do think there is a possibility since Brenda Mallory, who's probably going to be the chair of the CEQ, was general counsel under the Obama administration for the CEQ, that she might see that it is important to have some timelines to adhere to and might retain some of those you know, restrictions that need to be in place to ensure that you do have an expectation of when this review is going to end and when you're going to get a permit, because otherwise we really can't move forward on, on certain projects. And as we all know, in the practice of water supply and water quality or focusing on those projects that are water specific, we need some kind of timeline and deadline within which we can expect to get a permit for certain things. I think that's what we're we're seeing, at least from the NEPA perspective. I think also the Biden administration, in terms of what they've included in their executive order, could also affect streamlining of this permitting process because of what they're going to do in terms of likely change changing the waters of the U.S. rule. And I'm going to let Nathan speak to that. He's really been tracking that. But the Trump administration really, I think, tried to work to further streamline permitting efforts by redefining waters of the U.S. But Nathan, if you don't mind, uh, you know more on that than I do. And thanks, Sarah. And, you know, it's what's interesting is so many of these issues, it's helpful to think of them as a bit of a tug of war. And, you know, a tug of war between on the one side, the need to get projects to secure permits for such projects, get them done. On the other hand, pulling in the other direction is, hey, how thorough or how lengthy does the process need to be to get to that permit if it's ultimately issued or or not? And so those are some of the conflicting, not always directly conflicting, but some of the challenges that you see throughout whether it's looking to get a 404 or whether it's uh, authorization under TPDES and MPDES on uh, discharge uh, permits. The jurisdictional question has been one that it certainly fascinated legal scholars for a long time, but it should and I think has fascinated a lot of the engineering community and a lot of the regulated community for a long time as well. What is within the ambit of federal jurisdiction of water? You know, where does that line end? Where does it start? And before getting into this, it's just worth you know, really reiterating what, Lauren, you talked about at the outset, which is engagement. It's just, it's critical. You know, there has been, I think, some maybe decline in engagement because of a lack of a significant federal push for new regulations over the last four years. And so to the extent that some of these regulations are looking to be changed, to the extent that policymakers, whether at the administrative level or even legislators, are looking to revise certain fundamental cornerstones of these programs is to be engaged, whether through your industry groups, through your representatives and the like. But with Waters of the U.S., here's where we stand. It's been all over the map, but the Trump administration did, in fact, repeal the Obama Waters of the U.S. and replaced it with what is now called the Navigable Waters Protection Rule. So as we stand here in spring 2021, in 49 of the 50 states, you have the Navigable Waters Protection Rule in place. It's the law of the land, except Colorado. Colorado Federal Court did put it on hold. And so you have a much more tailored definition of what is jurisdictional. 
under federal law. And we could certainly, and we have done podcasts that have looked at that exact issue and gone deep into the weeds. But a few issues just to highlight there with the current rule, you have to have perennial streams or intermittent streams uh, in order to be qualified as waters of the U.S. Dry land, even if it's near waters, is not considered jurisdictional. Ephemeral streams that are only flowing at certain times of the year are not jurisdictional. They're out. And the implications are far-reaching, given in you know some of uh, what Sarah was discussing about the, the NEPA process, when you look at mitigation needs for certain projects, they're substantially smaller under this more tailored rule. So the, the big question will be, will there be another uh, Waters of the U.S. rulemaking? Because we had the Obama 2015 rule, then you had the uh, Trump Navigable Waters Protection Rule, and now will we see another pushback? And, and some of the fights over time has just been, hey, do you look... 100 feet from the floodplain. How do you deal with certain water features, fire lakes, and the like that you see in certain parts of the state and across the country? There's going to be a lot of press on this. It's one of the 80-some items that were listed in that freeze memo back on January 20th that Sarah mentioned. And we fully expect there's going to be some initiative, whether through regulatory change or through guidance you know, outside of a rulemaking process. So anyway, Waters of the U.S., stay tuned. It's going to remain a topic of import. And a lot of the listeners may ask the question, how does this impact me? Isn't it just have a fun policy debate? Well, ephemeral streams, much of the state of Texas is pretty dry. And some of the streams west of I-35 are considered ephemeral. So there's a major impact if you're looking at projects, if you're looking at even discharge, new discharges west of I-35, and that's just a rough marking point, there could be a significant impact to new projects in that regard. I know, you know there has been and there will be ongoing litigation about that past rule. And so there's an overlay of existing fights over the navigable waters protection rule balanced against the possible expected new frontier on regulatory uh, changes. And so we'll stay tuned. I know one of the things that we have seen through now EPA Administrator Michael Regan's nomination process and his uh, testimony before the Senate committee is you know, looking at ways that, you know, based on his time at the North Carolina equivalent of EPA, you know, looking at ways that there can be protections in place, including, as Sarah mentioned, for environmental justice perspectives, lower income, minority communities, and and certainly the regulation that addresses water issues has a direct impact on environmental justice, but also uh, air issues as well. And I think, Lauren, you can give us a little bit more of a, the broader changing of climate issue and how the administration is looking to address it. Thanks, Nathan. That was a great pun. So I hope everybody caught that. So we definitely be a little bit remiss if we did not talk about the Paris Climate Accord. Um, as you all will recall, the Trump administration actually withdrew the United States from the Climate Accord shortly after uh, entering office back in 2016. The Biden administration actually campaigned on this. One of their campaign promises was to rejoin the Paris Climate Accord. And on January 20th of 2021, they did so. They initiated the 30-day process for the United States to rejoin And as a result of this, we may end up seeing a trickle-down effect of this international compact down to the state and local levels. So that is something worth noting and worth paying attention to. 
we move forward. So Sarah, is there anything else that you think we should be looking at moving forward that that's been on your mind? Well, when you're speaking about climate change, it does. I didn't mention this earlier, but that's also something that I would expect to be evaluated again in environmental impact statements. There was an executive order that required that as part of an environmental impact statement. So at least from the perspective of water supply projects and water quality projects, which of course, you know, is our bread and butter, we would expect that that is going to impact those projects. And it is going to come into play. It already has come into play for a number of our clients in trying to make sure they have sufficient water supplies available in light of how climate change can affect availability and rainfall patterns and whatnot. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the Biden administration's efforts actually end up affecting those projects. There may be some benefit there because obviously our clients are seeing some impacts from changes and weather patterns and extreme weather and how it affects not only water supplies, but infrastructure also. So I think, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of impacts in terms of permitting timelines, how long it takes. It could be lengthened by this, you know, push. Obviously, it's very important to make sure that in terms of citing certain projects, we don't impact environmental justice communities. There needs to be that consideration in place. It is currently part of an evaluation because anytime federal agency takes action, they have to take that into consideration under an existing executive order. But we do expect that there is going to be a greater push for that just from what we've heard from the Biden administration from the chair or the proposed chair for the Council on Environmental Quality. So definitely from my perspective with my clients with big projects, it's going to be a while before new regulations are in place. There's going to be an opportunity and notice and comment period on any new regulations to weigh in. So we're going to be tracking that, obviously, and wanting to weigh in in terms of how those new regulations and the way that they're revised may impact our clients and our clients' needs. And then the way things are evaluated is definitely going to change, not just in terms of those timelines, but what you're going to have to look at and what's important and the number of studies that will probably be required beyond what's required now in light of climate change, in light of wanting to ensure that populations that should be protected are not going to be affected. So bottom line, longer time frame, it's going to be a while till we truly understand what those impacts are going to be. But the important message, and I think Nathan hit on this, is to make sure that you're keeping up to speed on the changes that are coming. But, you know, Nathan, I'm, I'm curious, you know, other wrap up thoughts from you in terms of, you know, what we really should expect for our clients on water supply, permitting water quality permitting and enforcement in particular too. Yeah, and that's the one where we really expect to see a change. I think, you know, it's certainly the state level you've seen a continued enforcement on drinking water and water quality issues on wastewater as well. But you have seen a shift away from an enforcement a mindset where you're looking at municipal discharges of 10 MGD and greater to were called compliance initiatives, which certainly Many of our clients appreciated the fact that there were fewer administrative orders from EPA, consent decrees and the like that were initiated in the last four years. But fully expect that to evolve and that to change. And uh, we'll be watching what the EPA office that deals with enforcement issues, what it prioritizes as we look to the next few steps. And so to the point that's been made, it's just it's key for advocacy from the perspective of those who are living it, the regulated community directly weigh in 
with comments, weigh in with meetings and discussions with regulators. If there's one thing that seems to have been consistent, it seems like sometimes there are very few of these, but it seems to be consistent from the Trump administration to what we've seen in the early days of this administration is a call for engagement. And yes, you have a place at the table. That has not always been the case going back over decades. And so use that voice, be active there. I think those are some of the key substantive issues. And, you know, again, stay engaged, express your opinion on these issues, because it is going to have financial and operational costs going forward. All right. Thank you for sharing with us today. And to our listeners, if you would like to learn a little bit more about our speaker attorneys and their practice group, go ahead and visit us at lglawfirm.com. And I hope you all have a great day. If you would like more information about what you've heard today, please visit lglawfirm.com. You can also find us at Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views, nor are they endorsed by Lloyd Gosling Law Firm. None of this content should be considered legal advice, as one should always consult a lawyer. This podcast is not intended for commercial purposes and is made available at no cost. Music for the podcast is from album Jazz U and is titled By the Coast, 2004-2007 by Anthony Rejikoff. License under the attribution non-commercial share-alike license is available on Free Music Archive. To learn more, visit by clicking the link in today's summary.